Sotarians, this is episode 200. Welcome to the Sota Process Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Evans, a fitness professional and trainee, high performance and mindset coach. Every week, we bring to you a state-of-the-art person or idea that will help you to make an impact and live your purpose. Thank you for tuning in today. Now let's define our greatness and be state-of-the-art. Welcome back to the Soda Process Podcast Legends. Um, this is episode 200 and I'm super, super excited to be bringing this one to you guys today. Um, yeah, it's crazy to think that one and a half years ago, this podcast started, well, actually almost two years ago, this podcast started and now we're at episode 200. So what I'm going to be doing for this episode is for every, um, or very similar to what I did for the hundredth episode, um, we're going to be running through basically, um, the best of, of the last hundred episodes. So for the, all the interviews we've done, I'm going to be picking out the best parts and just sharing some short snippets of everyone we've had. So I'm super excited to bring this one to you guys. Um, and I'm sure you guys are going to love the throwbacks and the memories from, from some of the awesome guests we've had over the past, um, hundred episodes. So yeah, sit back, relax and enjoy guys. Cause I'm super pumped again to bring episode 200 to you all. And we'll start it off with my ex housemate, Joel Curtis. but sort of um, from the research you've done, what are like the best benefits in terms of your health for going vegan? Um, definitely from the research I've done, like I'm, like, I'm probably, like I'm getting this like research from like uh, nutritionists, like people that have, they're qualified and there's definitely science that shows like eating meat over it, like, more towards like your older like age like you're definitely going to have an increased chance of like cardiovascular disease like stroke um like high cholesterol and things like that and yeah like i don't i don't see the point like in eating meat i guess it's just like it was the main point in the game changes doco like the cow or whatever it's just like the middleman like mm. They're, they're getting supplemented B12. They're getting fed plants to get, like, fatter. And, like, why do we need to eat them? Why don't we just go eat from, like, the first source? Yeah. But, um, yeah, they're, they're probably the, the big things. Um, what, 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 was, what was the other part of the question? Uh, so pretty much just, yeah, what sort of, um, what like, pretty much what are the health benefits of going vegan from what you've, researched yourself or heard on podcasts or just learnt from other people yeah so there's definitely i think like a big one is like type 2 diabetes yeah okay um like people that like have type 2 diabetes are obviously like not eating the best diet in the first place but i guess cutting out the processed foods is Mm. like a massive one in today's world because like everything is just processed like meat even like vegan foods like like even the fake meats like that they are processed so yeah. i think if people 
just reduce the amount of processed foods they eat. Like, they're going to reduce their chances of type 2 diabetes or... Um, so for yourself, you obviously went through a lot of trial and error with certain aspects of personal training, which you now share with people as a part of Premier PT, so they obviously don't make the same mistakes that you had to make, essentially. So what's some of the biggest lessons you learned from your mistakes or failures that you had as a PT that you now share with others to prevent them from doing the same? Well, that's the thing. That's, that's, a, yeah, that's a good question, but it's such a long question to answer, you know what I mean? Because that's essentially what I do, is teach mm. trainers so many different aspects as to what doesn't work and more importantly what does work you know i think i think overall if i had to sum it up into like you know a few things and i think the main thing from that list as well would be exactly like that story we just went through man is don't be afraid of rejection or failure you got to understand that you've done personal training for a reason go out there and start helping people Go start sharing your knowledge, your skills, your abilities, the reasons why you got into PT in the first place. Go start doing it. Don't go sit in the staff room and expect things to come to you. And that's the same thing with anything in life, you know. Those that go out and get it and go out and do what they want, they're the ones that are going to get the reward. Yes, there's risk involved with a lot of things, but that's again the saying, right? Things with high Mm -hmm. risk have a high payoff, and it's so true. When you step outside those comfort zones, the things that make us comfortable – there's nothing there, you know. That's the feeling I was having. I was in a good paying job, so I'm ticking the boxes in society and what we're supposed to do. But I wasn't happy, you mm-hmm. know, because I'm I'm inside this box of, of comfortability. For me to step outside of that and take all this risk, it was one of the best things that I ever done personally and even financially, you know, it was it's been much better as well. But that's the cool thing with it. The more passion and the more the more effort and emphasis you put on what you do, money can be a byproduct of that, you know what I mean? And that's the cool thing about the fitness industry. It can, can truly be like that. Um, you, like I said, you've just, just got to have the right process, and they, which is, again, the catch-22 to it, right? So, again, that's, that's my, my next bit of advice and, and, uh, from that is that the things that I teach the trainers is don't stop learning as well. There's, there's so much to learn, there's so many different things, even, even when it comes to the science behind training nutrition. Things still change over the years. We don't always know the answers to every single little thing. And especially when new studies come out and we what, what, what we once thought is now different, it happens. You know, that's why, again, learning different things over time is, is so crucial. In terms of your life coaching stuff, again, how do you teach people to live a purposeful life and what are your biggest tips for doing so as well? Yeah, I usually I usually start with in, in order to shift our perspective, um, especially now, it's so easy. It's like being, you know, like we're sort of promoting victimhood around the world, right? If you're offended, you're somehow better than the person next to you. You know, if you're if you, if you if you feel wronged by someone else's opinion and you take that personally, like like that, that's somehow this virtue now. And it's and sad. It's it's embarrassing and it's silly and childish, and um, so shifting from that that sort of victimhood perspective in to be pamby and kumbaya as it sounds, thinking about the things you're grateful for, like really profoundly shifts your your consciousness. So when you are thinking um, about the things that you're grateful for, waking up in the morning 
thinking about like, holy shit, I'm alive again. All right, here we go. You know, I have this bed. Uh, maybe there's someone else in my bed. I'm thankful for them. Thankful for this roof over my head. I'm thankful for the fact that I get to like do fun stuff today and, and breathe fresh air and be outside. Shifting into this really simple, essential state of gratitude and, and, and anchoring that gratitude in the body helps shift perspective. Shifting perspective away from the world's out to get me. Nobody gets me. Um, I'm, I'm offended by, by other people's opinions. It's just, there's no glory in that. There's just zero glory in victimhood. So shifting into a place of gratitude um, is, a, is a really important first step for um, d- developing a, a trajectory in your life that will help you find your purpose. Because then your antenna change, right? If you're, if you're calibrated for being pissed off and offended and sad and victimized and sick and scared of this make-believe virus that's like keeping you in your home and, and, and just a scaredy cat, um, then, then it's hard to grow. It's hard to grow from there. Uh, when you're scared of your, of your neighbor, when you're scared to walk down the street without wearing a mask and you're waiting at home with the shades drawn, waiting for some unicorn vaccine that hasn't been tested, to save your life, man, you are in a lot of trouble. So shifting into a place of gratitude, into a place of abundance, into a place of, of, of trying to do cool things in your life, that's that's a really good start. The other thing is from there is to, is to be able to envision what your life might be like, is, is to, to really think about what your life could be like in 10 years. You know, I have this exercise where I have people uh, craft their uh, one day, 10 years from now, start to finish. You wake up in the morning. It's 10 years from now. You know, it's what, what day is it? October 8th, 2030. It's you're 10 years older. You wake up in the morning. Where, where do you live? What's your house look like? Who's in bed with you? Who else is in the home? What's the first thing you do after you take a whiz? You know, you work out, you make some coffee. Like what, what, what art hangs on your wall? What are you wearing? What's your plan that day? What are you doing in the world? And if your vision for yourself in 10 years is similar to the, the reality that you live now, there's a lot of work to do. We should be striving. It's okay to want things. It's, it's totally natural. It's this law of more, more life, more money, more happiness, more love, more peace, more joy. And so when you begin to be grateful for the life that you have, and then you begin to chart a course for um where you want to be in 10 years, then you, then you start to strategize around how to get there. Well, if in 10 years, the vision of myself is like super fit, strong, focused, disciplined, sick car, like nice clothes, lots of free time. Well, how are you going to get that? You know, you have to be smart with your money. You're going to have to exercise. You're going to have to like meet people and, and, and make connections because the process is really specific to the individual, um, maybe your gifts are different from the person um, next to you. And how do we capitalize on those gifts? How do we, how do we strategize a way to, to make those gifts um, a value to the world? Because when you come and you provide value to the world, it comes back to you. And this is another key point for purpose. Like it has to be greater than you. You have to, you have to want to, show the world something that's never been shown. You want to be able, if you, if you're going to be a bar, like cut a lot of hair, come up with new ideas, come up with new styles. If you want to be a podcaster, 
do it in a way that hasn't been done before, like work on that craft, but do it in a way that you're actually providing a value because when you provide a value, you get paid for it. It comes back to you. And, and I think a lot of people like sort of lose sight of that. And that applies no matter what you do for work, no matter if you're, you know, in insurance sales or real estate, like when you provide a value to people, when you are indispensable, uh, you, your value goes up and you're, you're able to glean the abundance that comes from giving that value. And then it becomes greater than you. What are you going to do with more money? Like, what are you going to get back? What are you going to grow? What are you going to create? So, you know, doing, doing actions and activities that are, that are greater than you as a person, providing value into the world is, is really a, a nice path to, to figuring out what your purpose is. Well, um, the first one would definitely be um, you are who you surround yourself with. Um, if you're not around the, the right people, if you're not around people that um, continuously challenge you to, to do better and be better, then you're not around the right people. Um, the life would be less motivated um, and you just won't grow as a person. So that would be definitely be the first one. The second one would, def, uh, would be... Um, it's one of the quotes on our project 180. You are the energy that you bring into the room. Um, so if you're having a bad day, um, take three deep breaths, close your eyes, just think about the sort of energy that you want to bring into the room, how you can be a positive influence to the next activity that you, that you go into. Um, and then I'm sure that you'll bring a lot of energy, not just for yourself, but for everyone else that's around you. Um, the last one, be where your feet are. Like, don't look too far ahead. Um, just be where your feet are, smile, and enjoy the process to to getting to that bigger goal. Yeah, I love that, man. Amazing answer. So getting into the last question as well, um, obviously ask you to come onto the show today because I believe you are someone that embodies the true meaning of what I believe to be state-of-the-art. But in your opinion, what would be your definition of living a life that is state-of-the-art? Oh, that's that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one that said that. <laughs> yeah, I think just being a good person, like it, it does, it's not hard to to be a good person. And um, the day that we can all, or the the day that everyone knows um, knows that, then that's the day that this world will become a lot easier place to live and a better place to live. Um, talk about how much of an impact does blue light have on our sleep and I know that's kind of a, a broad question but I'd love for you to go through all the different ways that blue light affects our sleep if possible well blue light at night has a destructive uh, reaction in our bodies okay so the sun goes down you turn the house lights on you drive along the highway, there are traffic lights, there's the McDonald's golden arches, there's the microwave light, the bathroom light, the kitchen light, the bedside table light, the alarm clock light. This is before I've even got to your cell phone, by the way, before I've even mentioned your mobile phone, because everyone's like, oh, my mobile phone, it's just my mobile phone. Really? Do you brush your teeth at night? Tom, yeah. do you brush your teeth at night? Yes. Yeah? Are you... 
Whereabouts are you brushing your teeth? In the bathroom. Does the bathroom have a light on? It sure does. Okay. So every time you're not wearing your pair of Swanee's blue light blocking glasses, or any time you're not wearing any blue light blocking glasses for that matter, you're destroying your sleep. Mm. Because the blue light from all this artificial light that we create triggers your pituitary and pineal gland, which suppresses your melatonin production. So think of it this way. We used to live our life by candlelight, by fire. When we were cavemen, we lit a fire. And flame, natural flame and fire does not stimulate our pituitary and pineal glands and does not suppress melatonin. So we could look into a fire all night and, and we'll still feel sleepy and fall asleep, right? But artificial blue light does trigger our pituitary and pineal glands and does turn off our melatonin switch, right? So in actual fact, the best thing you can do for a great night's sleep is to live the rest of your life by candlelight and never use artificial light again. No one's going to do that. We live in 2020 going into 2021. There's artificial blue light coming out of your cell phone, your television screen, your iPad, your speedometer in your car, your microwave light, everything I just mentioned. So the only thing we can do is to mitigate, right, is to, is to protect our eyes as much as possible from that artificial blue light. And yes, there is a free app in your iPhone, which you can turn on, which removes a lot of the blue light. A lot, not all, a lot. But what's that going to do about your bedside lamp and your kitchen light and your bathroom light and your living room light? Nothing's going to help you with that. Which is why wearing a pair of orange lensed blue light blocking glasses is imperative if you are wanting to be a peak performer at anything. If you want to have the best night's sleep that you possibly can and so be able to perform the best you can during the day, put on a pair of blue light blocking glasses with the orange lens. Now, I want to be super clear here in the distinction. As I was talking to you, Tom, before, I'm wearing a pair of blue light blocking glasses, but you'll notice the difference. These have a clear lens, right? They're a little like an amber color. Like mm. Just a little bit of tinge there of yellow you can see. So it's daytime. It's the middle of the day. So I don't need to block all of that blue light during the daytime because I want to be energetic. I want to be up. I want to be clear. I want to be focused and productive. So I'm wearing a pair of blue light blocking glasses to filter the blue light that's staring out at me at my screen that will prevent me from being irritated and getting my sore eyes and headaches. But then as soon as that nighttime rolls around, let's say it's eight or nine o'clock at night, you want to switch and you want to put on put on a pair of orange lensed blue light blocking glasses because blue is the opposite of orange. Orange is the opposite of blue. Therefore blue light cannot penetrate an orange lens. Right. Therefore the blue light doesn't get into your eyes. Therefore your body and your mind starts to believe that, Oh, it actually is nighttime. So now we're going to turn on the melatonin faucet and start flooding your body with melatonin to prepare for sleep. Mm. got that little diagram there behind you as to what a human body should look like structurally um what have you found have been sort of the biggest problems in your time that you've had to try and overcome for some of your patients and help them relieve the pain in those areas number one number one that the upper body and shoulders are always making adaptations and compensations 
for what the hips can't do. Right. So sit on the toilet for a while tonight. Everybody listening or watching this. Okay. Do your business. Stand up. How did you get up? What did your instinct say? Your instinct said, put my hands on my legs and push up with my arms and triceps and chest. That's how people get up. Mm. But it should be a hip-driven, leg-driven movement. Yeah. So we're losing that over time because we're born with these phones in our hands and things like that. Yeah. The result is that you see, like what you said to me, like what do you see are the biggest issues? This is a young gentleman who, and I'll try to get this to focus, who is in pretty good shape. Would you say? I mean, he's in decent shape. Yeah, looks like it. Okay. Is this guy in better shape? I'd, I'd probably say so. Same guy. Didn't lose an ounce of weight. Yeah. But his rib cage and hips became more balanced together. So his abdominal wall tightened up unconsciously. Mm. Instead of going, I need to walk around with my abs tight like this. No, you're, you're going to poop your pants. You know, let's, let's get your muscles to tighten up when they need to. So if I ask everybody to make a fist, like squeeze your bicep as hard as you can. Go ahead. Come on, as hard as you can. Yeah. And hold that for a week. No chance. Doesn't make sense. No yeah. chance doesn't make sense. But people walk around with their abs tight and their pelvis tucked under like that, which leads into, this will be a little bit of stupid humor, but this is my French bulldog on the, on, the black French bulldog <laughs> is mine. The white French bulldog overdosed on no acetal. You can see he has no ass at all. Yeah. Which then led to forward head carriage, rounding of the upper back in its adaptation. So I look for things like this in all species. I look for facial structure. I look for the way people breathe. We're in the middle of COVID-19. It's kind of important to breathe. Mm. But there's a difference between breathing and breathing well. There's a difference between breathing in for six seconds with your nose and then breathing out with your mouth for six seconds versus mouth breathing all day long and then wondering why you're dehydrated wondering why you have brain fog, wonder why your ADHD kid is always going to be ADHD, no matter what medicine you give him, because he never gets his body into the right alignment and never gives him, gives him a chance to fire his diaphragm to actually breathe. So fix your posture, not consciously, but by doing the exercises and then sit in any chair you want, sit in any race car you want, sit on any toilet you want, and then let your body recover from that. Let it move around the way that it's organically naturally supposed to mm. so how do you try and fix those problems for people that might have the hips not quite in alignment what are the sort of main exercises you'll do to like you said not just treat the symptom but actually fix the problem at its root so you ask me what's the difference between this and this and this and i said the treatment of symptoms never going after the noxious movement or the cause what did you hear did you hear that the upper body was the cause or did you hear that the hips and pelvis imbalance was the cause? I feel like the hips and everything in that imbalance would be the cause. 100%. So where should you start your exercises? Through the hips. Trick question. Oh, really? Through the upper back? 
because you might want to strip away some of the compensation adaptation first, balance that out. Okay. And then that'll allow you to get to the root, which then takes you to this and allows you to finally find your psoas muscle and okay. fire it correctly. Interesting. So, that's why when, you know, at UPW, David Destinies, we did the arm circles, we did the running, all that kind of yeah. stuff. People were like, oh, you just did it to wake up the crowd. No, secretly I'm getting at your quote core and your core is that muscle. And that's it. That's it. I don't want to hear your abs, your back, your hamstring, a bunch of bullshit. If this muscle's off, then what you know as core is always off. Because I showed you that picture of that guy that was in good shape, but in his mind, his core was off but it fired automatically the minute we straightened up the bones. Mm. Yeah. So is it a matter of trying to just exercise that area that doesn't normally get exercised? Or is it a matter of trying to actually strengthen those muscles through there? You ever watch Star Wars? Actually, I haven't. And I always get a lot of um, flack from my mates and stuff about the fact that I haven't. But no, I haven't. That's uh, OK. Listen, I got to leave this interview because of that. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> it's, uh, Yoda said. Do or do not. There is no try. Now, I may have ruined what Yoda just said. I'm sure I'll hear from his agent or whatever. But it's basically do or do not not try. So when you say, is it about trying this? You're not trying anything. And I'm just playing on words, but I want people to understand this. Once you commit to correcting your posture through simple exercises, no equipment needed, and then changing them periodically as your body progresses, your body has no choice but to get as close to this as possible and live pain-free. Mm. Yeah, that makes Now, every sense. person's different. Every person's different. You can see this. I don't know up here if you can see the, it's a little blurry, uh, the pain-free book back there. Yeah. Okay, that's Peter Goskey's pain-free book. We're rewriting it this year. Um, you can find it on Amazon, all that stuff. Read the first three chapters and you'll see that it's all about you better change up here and get it into here before you start doing anything physically because you're not broken. Yeah. And it is powerful that you and your mates at your age understand this now because once you sink your teeth into it, there is no turning back. I'm 52. Bro, I promise you, you and your friends have no chance against me in sports especially ping pong right i no there's not like that's a joke i would literally have to give you out of 11 points i'd probably have to give you 11 points <laughs> but it's a but i'm saying about uh running jumping climbing hopping crawling trx downward dog yoga box jumping you may be able to do it higher but i'm using the right musculature mm. and eventually your talent is going to write a check that your body can't cash. That's what I mean by I'm better. It's not like you're better, Brian. I couldn't give a shit about being better. I'd rather have you be better, yeah. to be honest. And that's our goal is to motivate you. Beat the old fat white guy. That's what my t-shirts should say. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, you know, I play golf every year. And I'm not kidding. I play with three or four guys that are always like, we've been taking lessons all year and we're still not beating you. No, you're not. You're absolutely not. And that's the key is trying to provide them a don't feel bad about losing, just pay up because I want your money, of course. Um, but it's a, but paying up is trying to motivate them and then saying, well, why do you think that I'm so consistent and I don't play? Why do you think I'm sinking putts in golf from 12, 13, 14 feet out and you're three putting? 
because even this pendulum of your arm swinging in a putt has to be stabilized by the root at the base of the tree before you start swinging the branches. Let's talk about, first of all, the analogy you went through in regards to your savings bank account and your health. Um, yeah, talk to me about this one because I found this one to be a really good way of explaining health and fitness to people in a nutshell. Yeah, cool. So, um, again, my philosophy is that, um, and the philosophy that we teach is that, or my vision is that the fitness industry will get to a point where we will value health before we do aesthetics. And I think that that, that underpins everything that we do. Um, and I believe that aesthetics are a byproduct of health, good health, um, and that everyone has their equilibrium points. So, you know, and the fitness industry has really been all about, we're going to take you and put you in this box and we want everyone to be in this box. Um, you know, and it does, in my eyes, it doesn't work. So um, the health bank account analogy came up through the need for people to focus on good daily habits around their health. And so, you know, everyone understands how a credit card works these days. You know, it's basically like, or a bank account. Um, you know, we start with nothing. We start at zero and we want to make deposits. Uh, and we want to build up our savings so that we've got money to make withdrawal or, you know, spend on spend some money on what we need or what we, what we want. Um, and that's how bank accounts work. And then credit cards came along and they said, well, if you don't have enough money in there, that's okay because you can put it on a credit card and you can kind of go into debt a little bit. And, um, you know, we see, you know, Australia has probably one of the largest credit card debts per, per person in the world. So, so many people are living below that line. And it's almost like that they don't understand the consequences of living under there. And so from a health point of view, I love that analogy because every time we do something that positively impacts our health, it's like making a deposit in your bank account. And you want to build up those deposits so that you can every now and then make a withdrawal. And making a withdrawal is when, you know, you do something that's not as positive. Maybe it is having an extra glass of wine with a meal or having a wine with meal. Maybe it is binge watching your favorite series and therefore only getting about three hours sleep um, one night, you know, and the whole concept again, is that again, as a society, we're not making enough deposits in that health bank account. So we're living in a health debt. Many people are making more withdrawals than they are deposits. And if you're living, if you're living in a debt, you're pushing towards illness and disease. Whereas if you're living above that line, you're in a state of good optimum health and wellness. Um, and it's getting people to understand that philosophy, um, you know, that they can see. And it's not difficult. It's about, you know, I call it the five income streams, um, you know, hydration, sleep, um, movement, reducing toxins and stress on your body and whole food nutrition. And so with those five income streams, if you're doing that every single day and you're making those deposits, who am I to say that you can't, you know, have a beer on a Friday night or go out and have a few beers on a Friday night. 
what's happening is people are not making those deposits and they're still going for those beers on a Friday night. Mm. Um, and then they wake up, you know, Monday morning and that's where Monday-itis comes in because people have just written themselves off over that weekend and they've gone below that line. And so Monday arrives and they're like, I don't have the energy to do anything. Well, it's because you haven't made enough deposits to balance out the deposits. Sotarians, thank you so much for listening to that episode. This is only part one, so part two will be out um, on Sunday. So I'm super excited to bring you guys part two. I've decided to split up episode 200 into two parts just because it is such a big episode with all the amazing guests um, that we've had on over the past 100 episodes. And I want to be able to share all of that content with you guys without creating one massive big long episode. So um, yeah, this was part one. Get excited for part two because that one is coming your way very, very soon. Hey Sotarians, thank you so much for listening to that episode. Now, just quickly before you leave, please head over and subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll know exactly when the next episode is out so you never miss a beat. And also make sure you head over and give the podcast a review as well. That's going to help us to grow and expand the show and get your feedback on exactly what you want to hear from us, what guests you want us to get on, and how we can improve the overall listening experience for yourself. Now, if you took some value from this episode, please make sure you take a screenshot and post it on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag myself at Coach Tom Evans and at The Soda Process so that we know you're listening and can get some instant feedback from the show. Also, while you're there, be sure to check out the awesome show notes we have down below. We've got a couple of different partners that are offering some awesome discounts on some products specifically for you as a listener of the podcast. All right, guys, you know what to do. It's time to get out there, define your greatness, and be state of the art.